Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Brandon. I'm your co-host, Ian. Yeah. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither is our D&D game. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Jeff Stevens. In a small village, you find a single child who explains to you that all of the villagers, including his family, have entered a jester's pageant wagon and never came out. What madness could the adventurers face? Can they save the villagers? Or will they go mad trying? Can you survive the madhouse of Tasha's kiss? Head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Jeff dash Stevens to get your copy today. Thanks for joining us today here at Crit Academy Studio, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. That's right, your roles are like going out into the wilderness without your survival guiding gear. Like a boy scout. Um, So before we get into everything, I just want to let everyone know, for episode 100, we will be doing a live show for everyone. Everyone will be able to watch, not just patrons. Everyone! It'll be uh, Sunday, November 18th at 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern. Definitely come check us out if you've wanted to see the the, the unprofessionalism <laughs> and and kind of the stuff that gets cut. Uh, we hope to deliver a live show. Interact with us. Talk to us a little bit. Um, distract us more. All that jazz. Will um, we actually be more professional than usual? No. I'm, I'm going to try, but it'll fall apart pretty quickly, I'm sure. I'm not saying it's a high bar to hurdle over, but you know. Yeah, we'll see. I'm, I, I'm, I, there's a few things I've got planned, and I'm, there's one thing I really want to happen, but that's that's a secret until it's confirmed. So Our show is not suitable for young children, so if you are going to watch live, put some headphones on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not safe for work. <laughs> um, shit. Uh, so before we get... <laughs> Point proven. <laughs> before we get the show started, uh, we like to start the show off on a really high note. If you don't know, every episode we give away fat loots. Uh, we give away three adventures, compliments of our cool sponsors. Um, first one coming to us from Goblin Stone. Each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned, compliments of Goblin Stone. Goblin Stone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com. Ian, can you tell us who our winner today is? Our winner is Tad M0214. Congratulations to Cat M zero two one four. If you enjoy this, uh, if you enjoy the adventure, please let Goblinstone know. Leave him a review. Let him know what you like, what you didn't like, and help him improve his product moving forward. So we've got a really great show for you guys today. Uh, our question comes from Ryan S. Um, but I'm really interested to talk about that just because it's a uh, it's a little bit of a player taking the limelight. Um, our main topic today is Wilderness Survival Guide created by Aaron Drake uh, on the DMs Guild. This is an awesome uh, product supplement that I cannot wait to talk about. And of course, we have our honor tips and tricks where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. But before all that, we spend a few minutes talking about what's going on in our realm. Ian, what's going on in your realm? Well, fun stuff. The other night, I uh, 
hung out with, with a group I play board games with, and uh, one of the games we played there was called Deadpool vs. the World. <laughs> that sounds cool. It's basically like Cards Against Humanity. Oh, except it's not? It's Deadpool, but instead of like, having like, a white card that has like the uh, subject you'll try to match, mm-hmm. it has a picture of Deadpool doing something. <laughs> <laughs> like like in the advertisement where they had him laying like uh, in like a bearskin rug or something. Do you guys remember that? What's, For the what's, promo? What's terrifying <laughs> is you're not too far off. I'm like, what, what are two things? <laughs> And but the other gimmick though is the other cards that you put down has like a partial sentences with sensor bars on them. And you write in wasn't the sensor bar. Oh, that sounds cool. <laughs> uh, I won't repeat some of the stuff that was written down here and there. <laughs> <laughs> He's just following his basic instincts, man. Uh, I suppose. Brandon, what's going in your realms? No, oh, uh, the wife accidentally food poisoned me, so I've been out of work for the last three days. It wasn't an accident. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I got to play in a game. Which was just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so I have a friend. Actually, he's a patron. Um, he's listened to the show, but he's really not ever really played D&D at a table. But he became a patron. So think about that for a second. He likes the show. He want, It made him want to play it. So we decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run a small game. At first, it was just going to be me and him because he's kind of shy. Right. Sure. And so I'm like, you know, okay, one of uh, the two of us, you're not going to get the the full effect. So he agreed to let me invite a couple people who he knew, which is uh, Brandon and Luke. And uh, I'm like, okay, uh, that helps a lot. Um, I really, honestly counted on Brandon not coming, so I was surprised when he actually showed up. That was pretty fantastic. We had a nice dinner, but anyways, so I ran this adventure. Um, first of all, how, how the, it opened with them having to uh, venture into the jungles of Cholt, and freaking uh, they're camping, and they during the camping they're attacked by uh, Stiggy Tongue. If you remember when we had Jeff Stevens on, yeah. he introduced Stiggy Tongue, which was like a T Rex giant chameleon type lizard thing with a tongue that would just you know suck people up and then he'd like run away <laughs> um so brandon was the uh that was bullshit. victim of that we're while t- he was sleeping yeah, we're, like take, the taking, burrito. we're all taking watches and to, ma- to make matters worse uh the dragonborn his watch was up the human woke up and when they were wrestling around i woke up and there's torches everywhere and i had to spell dark vision because i'm a wizard and like hey would you like dark vision so you can just turn these lights off and they're like no <laughs> no i'm fine i can see because he's got, like, five lights up. I'm like, okay. So I go to sleep. Next thing I know, I'm going to get slurped by this giant chameleon. <laughs> what made it interesting is uh, Stephen was running the variant we made, the flavor of the month, the symbiote. And on his, on his sheet, he's a good guy. He's all about protecting the innocent from monsters and, and all this jazz. What the fuck? So, um, in this, in this scenario, they come across, they're supposed to be looking for this caravan <laughs> that keeps disappearing. And freaking, he, uh, <laughs> he goes, uh, uh, all right. Oh, yeah. We tracked them to this, 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 this humble abode. They meet this, this gnome in, in goblin, uh, couple, couple. right? And, 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 you know, <laughs> <laughs> fucking uh, Luke drops uh, uh, Zone of Truth, Zone of Truth breaks, in the middle of the it. Game. So <laughs> they basically discover they're cannibals, right? So uh, Stephen, you know, t- 
transforms, you know, ooze busts out from his back and surrounds his body. He's got a grin from uh, a grin from ear to ear with these razor sharp teeth. His twelve inch tongue is lashing about left and right. And we they, are venom. They, his actually name was Chaos, which I thought was cool. Um, but anyways, uh, we are chaos. So they end up in a fight. Uh, they're dealing with this and he's laying that his hands have turned into this massive blade and hammer and he's just wailing on the, the this this goblin guy he's doing pretty good keeping himself alive and then just when he's about to uh kill the the goblin the wife the the child walks out and sees this thing going on mommy yes that's literally what happened so yeah we we talked about this specific encounter once on the show to uh deal with uh morals yes and what kind of morals we have and we learned that steven has no morals <laughs> <laughs> so um after casting zone of truth they learned that family was capturing people and turning them into sausage they're cannibals and uh so as they do away with them uh chaos or steven's character decides he's going to chase down the little child and he catches it and he convinces everybody around him that he's just i'm gonna go get it it's fine um but when, when the players catch up to him he he he, he like used his finger and like just 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 stabbed her in the face and that was it killed it and then when her dad finally escapes the other two players who are almost completely out of spell slots at this point because i dragged out the encounters um the dad comes she he he chucks the baby at the dad (laughs) and then uh the other players are like fuck this is pretty much like a barbarian type creature they're out of spells they run away so now what ends up happening is uh chaos ends up devouring you know the the the, the the, kid and the the gnome of the kid and i had one spell slot left so as as one last hope which is it (laughs) well you have one the the husband that's a a gnome and the wife was a goblin okay because he because he said gnome earlier oh sorry my my bad yeah my bad but i wasn't there (laughs) i i ran up to catch up to him to try to give the gnome an upper hand and i tried casting blindness on him (laughs) and he made the dc so it didn't work <laughs> i looked i was like bye and i turned around and left so i ended up they ended up going back to the the port city and basically telling the guards there's a new damn monster in the the uh in the forest of cholt this stalking like half man half like demon type creature is now a new monster and i've decided to convert him to a villain for a future adventure so that's what you do when your player goes off the rails and decides he wants to eat people anyways that was uh, a very interesting game and it was steven's first game and i asked him and he said that that was far better than he ever could have expected it to be (laughs) and met his it met yeah, potential <laughs> evil. Nice, Steven. Uh, he said that it not only met his expectations, but it exceeded them. It really was beyond what he expected. And I think, and I'm going to be honest, and he told me this after the fact, that I suspected that he only did that to see if I would let him do it. Is it really a game of choice, or was I going to funnel him into this, no, you can't do that? So I opted not to. So Chaos will become a villain in some of my adventures when we run through Cholt. I think it would be awesome. Chaos. Yes. Um, so I think that'll do it for in the realm. Brandon, if they'd like to visit other realms, how can they do so? They can go to our website at CritAcademy.com. There we'll have a link to Audible where you can get a 30-day free trial plus a free book when you join. Books! Yes. And when you do that, we get money. Steven says, we are chaos. Ooh, hang on. We are chaos. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so definitely check that out. Um, also, we have a DMs Guild uh, affiliate link uh, on our page. Just click that link, and then if you buy something, we get a small kickback. So definitely do that. 
And I say small, I mean like <laughs> like a penny. <laughs> but it adds up. It does add up. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that'll do it for. Oh yeah, we already did that. Um. So moving on to our next topic, we have our <laughs> we have our let's talk about blank segment. This question comes from Ryan S. I currently run a game where one player is role-playing way more than the rest of the party, to the point where the rest of the party feels like they can't say or do anything fun due to the fact that the player, a paladin, will out-role-play them and shut them down. I want everyone to enjoy the game as the DM. Any tips? Kill his ass. Well, that's, a, <laughs> well, that's option one. <laughs> you definitely been hanging out with me too long. <laughs> Any more reasonable uh I, I think if the other players want to roleplay, actually have the NPCs directly ask their characters questions or speak to them in particular. And then the paladin butts in, they can go, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> then you stab him? <laughs> uh, is, I mean, that's one logical <laughs> solution in my opinion. What about you, Brandon? <laughs> Shit, uh... I'm not too sure because I've had uh, issues where people have over roleplayed and not given another one, anyone else a chance to get into it. How did that make you feel? Insufficient. Insufficient. Is that the right word you want to use? No, that's not the right word. Insignificant. Insignificant. That's the one I think you want. Insufficient. <laughs> Insignificant. Yes. <laughs> my dumbness is rubbing off on you. you better right, be right, right. <laughs> I know good talk. So how, but how did that make you feel, Brandon? It, just, it, it sucked. Not being able to get in, get a word in. Okay, so um, now one player playing more role playing more than other players does not necessarily anything inherently bad in itself because some players are more inclined to do it than others. Yes, and uh, the first response that I gave to uh, Ryan and and if you're listening, Ryan is as the DM to pull that player aside and let him know how they feel and how it's going on because that player may just be so engaged they don't realize they're doing it. First of all. Well, like I said, though, give the other characters or players an opportunity to do it. Like I said, directly ask their character questions in in game. Fuck you, Dave. <laughs> what does it say? Ian needs to sit between Justin and Brandon as the end to break the dumb bond they seem to have. <laughs> we have a link with each other, apparently. But then uh, I get sucked between the two of them. Yeah, which is worse for him because then his IQ comes down. Um. So yeah, so some of the players may the player may not know they're doing that first of all, and some players don't like to role play. Yeah, and but if you talk as the DM is if you're talking to a player and this is the problem that you're having because it sounds like the players brought this to the DM. Yeah, um, okay. So the first thing I would do is talk to the the player and say, hey, um, could you do me a favor and when you're doing your role play, turn to the other players and just ask them, you know, hey Brandon, uh, what do you think about you know this? I think we should do this. What do you think? You're going to let me speak? <laughs> I say we should kill them all. Okay. That's that's the joke. That is a terrible joke. Oh. Because then you're not at you're not, you're making the problem worse if you turn and say that to the player who's like blocking you out. It's like I was trying to be helpful, dick. <laughs> So, um, as a, if you encourage the 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 overall player, I guess I don't know. I'm gonna say overall play the the person who's who is shining the light on them. Give them an opportunity and encourage them to pass the torch to the player, another player. It's really simple to do. If hey, I think we should do this. What do you think? Three words. Or encourage other players to speak up. I have an idea. That's or, another way to do it. Or you could uh, use the Lord of the Flies method and give a person a baton. Right. Are you reading my page? 
No. Why? Literally, it says uh, passing the RP uh, baton, oh, so to speak. What the fuck? Go ahead, though. Go. What were you saying? I just thought you just read right off yeah, my page. Like, take grabbing a baton and giving it to someone else so they can roleplay. And when they have the baton, everyone else gets to shut the hell up. <laughs> um, by at, oh, by uh, having that person pass the proverbial baton by just saying, hey, what do you think, does actually m- does a couple different things. First, it allows them to directly push the spotlight center onto the person. Now, not every, as Ian pointed out, not everybody likes that sort of thing. Nope. So... If that is the case, as the DM, make sure you catch that and understand that. Because they may not like them, the spotlight being shoved on them. And there are some, let's face it, there are some people who are born to have, have me go, you know what, this guy has information, I'm going to stand over here and go, look, if you don't tell us what we need to know, I'm going to rip your dick off and turn into a kazoo. <laughs> Whereas there's so you're going to give him like a, a detached blow job? And turn it into a kazoo? <laughs> <laughs> Whereas another fans go, I roll to intimidate. <laughs> That's a good good way to do that. I'm I like that. Turn a dick into a party favor. Um, the other thing it, this does. <laughs> I'm just saying different players have different inclinations for different types of games. For sure, for sure. Um, <laughs> and the other thing this does by having encouraging that that big role player to turn to other people, it constantly reminds them that there is more people that should be included in the game. It might take a, a couple sessions for that person to change to say, hey, I want to, uh, what do you think about this? The other thing, um, if that doesn't work, you as the DM can you know, turn and say to uh, player two as the, as the big paladin says, we must stomp out this evil. Let us raid the keep now. You can turn and say, Ian, how, do you, how does your character feel about that? I think we should tunnel underground. <laughs> tunnel underground. <laughs> and, and then it- take him by surprise by popping out the will. <laughs> It might take a month or two, but they'll never see it coming. Or you can just cast a shaper spell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or um, you can say, uh, player three, you know, how do you respond to what he just said? So as the DM, you can push the players into the role play, and they just say, okay, well, they had their opportunity. You know, if they don't say much, that's on them. But you can shine the light just as much as the other players can but if you can encourage the other player the big role player to do it it'll build additional role play um the last thing i want to touch on is as the dm if you know the pc's motivations it can really help you drive the um the response you know if and i think the example it says you know if you know the paladin wants to smite evil in the dark forest uh you can turn to the druid and call for a history track and then say okay and then feed him a little bit of information in regards to you know that area to encourage him to act maybe a a call to action you know like the paladin wants to go smite evil but you do a history check and you recall hearing about this big giant swamp beast that lives in this and that can get will be a call to action to that particular character for that time it's a hippo (laughs) oh that would be an awesome fight but anyways you laugh but hippos are really dangerous yeah they are they eat people (laughs) they eat people like fucking steven's characters Um, so there's a lot of different things you can do. Those are some techniques that I have used personally, um, that I have found success with. Um, I hope that when Brandon says he didn't feel like he could get a word in edgewise, it isn't at any of my tables, but I can't think of anybody else's table it would be at. So it must be it's not my table. No. Are you sure? Do you, what other tables do you have? Why am I invited? You don't, you don't even come to my tables. We have coffee tables. No, this is I don't a long time ago. Table. I don't have a coffee table. Anyways. This is um, what everyone was doing D&D. All right. So, well, I hope we answered your question, Ryan. If we didn't, please send a letter to the complaint department with a $5 checked, and we will make sure he gets expedited to the trash can. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think that'll do it for our Let's Talk About Blank segment. 
our next segment, we have our main topic, the Wilderness Survival Guide. Brandon, what is the Wilderness Survival Guide? The Wilderness Survival Guide is a supplement created by Aaron Drake. Aaron. Aaron. I get the reference. The Wilderness Survival Guide is a supplement created by Aaron Drake. Contains a wonderful collection of extra rules for harvesting creatures, collecting minerals, and a simple alchemy system for brewing potions and bombs. And even equipment for surviving the wilderness. Bombs away! <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so this is a really exciting supplement. You can actually find out. There's a link in our show notes, or you can go to DMs Guild and uh, uh, f- type in the search bar and find it. It actually is a free PDF. Oh, um, it is a pay what you want. They recommend five dollars and it is worth every bit of that. And so if you like it and you go through it and you use it, definitely chuck them a few extra dollars because you can pay after the fact if you feel like you got your monies out of it. There's a lot of us that use it. So um, so what makes this this resource so, so interesting? Well, uh, we kind of Brandon, uh, Brandon kind of touched on a little bit. You you. The collecting of materials is something I think we've touched on a little bit on the show before. Whether it's harvesting like Gorgon eyes or, or, or something along along that way. Finding a way to use these rare components from monsters. But there's really not a system super well built in. This really takes that and refines upon it and gives you more rules for it. It definitely gives you a framework to work with. Yes. Not to mention crafting and collecting materials is pretty much, pretty much every game nowadays. It's it's nice to be in, too included in uh, D&D. And most definitely, a lot of video games these days, especially guess whatever type of games, that seems to be a very popular genre these days. Like, uh, you saw that in Rust, you saw that in The Forest, and I'm sure I'm missing a few other survival-type games online, like Seven, seven Days to Die. It's Monster Hunter's a big one, where oh, yeah. a lot of that is like that. And I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn does it, too. Yep. So, seven speaking- Days to Die is annoying. You gotta get lucky at some of those. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of which, um, the first big part of the book, or the yeah, the first big part of the supplement is collecting materials. So you know you can collect materials during your travels, uh, which are used to craft new equipment, create alch- alchemic uh, concoctions and gemstones. Um, and to get new materials, you really need to expend um, the whole process without being interrupted. So if like combat starts or some event like that, it can really kind of mess you up. In the supplement, they've categorized it in three different uh, categories. There's creatures, minerals, and others, and herb, plants and herbs. And you'll see that those kind of fit a very particular theme. Um, and I think he did a good job narrowing it down to just those three kind of basic sure. categories, which is pretty good. Um, so the most obvious thing is... Uh, getting it from creatures, right? That's the, th- that's the thing that everyone's going to really get the most out of this, I think, because, um, and I think we've talked about it briefly. When you find a, uh, when you find a creature that we know has something that's magical about it, every player traditionally tries to be like, "Oh, I want to get a tie," you know, um, if it's like a gorgon or something like that that turns people to stone with its gaze. I'm gonna turn that giant snake's fangs into a dagger. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to. That's a good thing to do too. Um, poisons is a big one as well. You know, um, creature parts are are used not, uh, in as weapons, alchemic materials, creating armor, not just for themselves but for other adventurers. You can kind of maybe make a business out of. I'm gonna turn that mouse's rib cage into a canoe. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of these, 
some of these monsters, uh, some of their features, not only we talked about the Gorgonite maybe turning people to stone, but uh, can imbue the weapons and armor and stuff with different types of effects, right? Um, I know when I was playing with uh, Ryan, he wanted to get like a poison-resistant lizard he killed, so he tried to make scale or make armor hide armor out of this thing and i just gave him poison resistance you know as a kind of a, a magical effect so <laughs> i get off that one <laughs> he's uh, nice but what's what is that oh it's a carcass <laughs> <laughs> yeah we put the giant snake that make a good raft yeah <laughs> jesus you guys like one of those having a giant instead of a uh one of those little uh pool noodles is a giant snake <laughs> between your legs <laughs> speaking of which <laughs> um anyways um so uh and sometimes maybe it's decoration or just trophies you know uh having a oh dude that would be a great character concept the trophy hunter that's not a predator a trophy hunter you gotta put it on your wall and shit and decorate your house oh that was really good you guys uh anyways so um i still haven't seen that yet i want to (laughs) sometimes uh the players want to be able to extract the different parts from the creatures um and they give you really thorough um rule sets for this i think uh in this example it gives you a like uh a simple uh target dc through an intelligence check and uh or through nature checks uh in this case uh, i think it starts off at 15 and it's plus half the creature cr so the higher the creature and the stronger the creature, the harder it is to to salvage different you know parts from it, which which would make sense, I would I suppose. Um, <sighs> and there's a whole section of rules on this, you know, from creatures that uh, rules for how long it takes for a creature that's tiny to how long uh, how many units are collected based on size. And of course, these are guidelines that you you can go off. Of. Mm-hmm. You can adjust them as needed. Yeah, because right now there's really not a good, to my understanding, there's not a good um, actual guidelines for that. It's just oh, uh, whatever the DM says. So this is a good kind of uh, foundation for it. I mean, like uh, I know I got, got like a deer one, so it's like 150 pounds, like I have like 70 pounds of meat out of it. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> and uh, it also talks about d- different rules on how many checks you can make, so you can't just keep checking and you get it which i think is pretty cool which is very unique like i think in the example it uses like larger monsters like you can get up to like you can make three different roles so one might be for like the horns of a dragon the other one might be for the tail the other one might be for the heart um instead of just one for the whole thing because you have a chance of failure he gives you kind of more options depending on the type of the size of the creature which i think is pretty cool (laughs) what i don't know why but briefly envision like finding a troll and a troll tries to intimidate you like when i kill you I'm going to gut you and wear your butt as a hat. Wouldn't that make you a butthead? Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) We talk about these basic guidelines, but there's also an entire crafting section in this book that gives you very, very thorough details. Oh, yeah. Which is pretty cool. It makes you an asshat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, Um, So, what else is cool about this is... I think we're having way too much fun with this already. Yeah, you guys, you guys are. I'm actually trying to be the focused and and on point one, and y'all making it really hard. <laughs> That's it. The other thing cool is that it gives you a small list of uh, different parts of creatures and what they can be used for. Like in this example, it says a stinger can be used for alchemy or equipment. Um, and what is really interesting is it gives you failures if you, or uh, punishments if you fail. So, like, uh, when trying to harvest a stinger, if you fail the DC, you can get poisoned. Oh, yeah. Which I think is a really nice touch. So, it's got little rules and references to that sort of stuff. 
Um, what are some other uh, things that they could do that would be kind of tied to harvesting this equipment? Like, I remember one example was, like, let's say you say a dragon, let's say a red dragon. You harvest the scales, turning the hide armor, but because of the red dragon, you gain resistance to fire. Yeah, and that definitely that definitely fits. Um, another thing that would come up would be uh, something like value. Uh, value, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Parts value. Um, and so, how do they kind of dis- how do they kind of talk? What do they say about that in this uh, supplement? Do you remember? It looks like if uh, the CR is six or less, and it's a common rarity, it's one percent of the creature's experience. Oh, so they're using the experience awarded as a sort of value system, right? To determine, like, value in gold? Clever. That's that's very interesting. I don't think I've seen that before. No? Actually, that's a good question. Is it in gold or copper pieces or silver? I'd assume gold. Um, I'm going to assume gold, but it doesn't actually... I don't think it actually says specifically. Because um, gold's the standard. Gold, well, yeah, gold yeah. is standard. Um, but what's really cool is it gives you a nice rating system from, like, 1% for 6 or less to 50% the XP value for a legendary creature at 25 plus CR rating. Yep. <laughs> um, so that's really interesting. Once again, now you it has a, a small uh, uh, system to kind of apply value to that so you as the DM don't have to figure it out. So that's kind of what you would do with creatures. What are some of the other yeah. things that it, it goes on about? Uh, what is the next thing it talked about? Minerals. Our earth material is used for making armor, weapons, and getting special effects for those armors and weapons. Minerals can be divided into two types, and each has a unique way to acquire them. Ore is extracted using a miner's pick and a strength SLS check. Gemstones can be extracted with the use of a gem extraction tools, which are worth with money. And when a character is extracting ore on a success, they collect a number of ore units equal to 2d4 plus their con mod. And if a player is extracting gemstones, the DM determines the amount of gemstones found, or you can just roll a d20. Guess well, it is a dice-based game, so that makes perfect sense. <laughs> right, right. Um, so this is really cool, and they give you <laughs> they give you a small uh, um table to kind of identify how many uh, items you would find. Yep. Um, which is really nice. So this is really good if you've got the character who has the the tools for mining and wants to be a uh, like a blacksmith or jeweler or even maybe an armorsmith, right? I, it gives you a kind of a good framework to go by with that. That so says it sounds like Minecraft and D anD. d Or Minecraft is D anD. d in the digital world. It's good stuff. <laughs> um, and that's a diamond. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that, that they talk about are the non-mineral uh, materials, right? Um, we got wood. We got stone. We got coral. You can craft all that crap and uh, weapons and armor. Yeah, and as the DM, it's got good guidelines, but see if you can find and leverage what would be a benefit of wearing that. You know, you mentioned the red scale for the dragon. That one makes sense, but what kind of benefit would something out of coral do, if anything at all? You can grow it. Ooh. That's interesting. <laughs> like it starts off like as a like a maybe it's the equivalent of like a breastplate piece of armor, like a half breastplate. Yeah. And then after like a year, it expands and like you make full plate out of it as it's like little parts are expanding and growing. You got to water yourself, <laughs> water your armor. Is that how coral works? I don't know. I'm sure somebody who's a science person is going to be all sending me an angry email. Well, more like uh, creatures grow grow on the skeleton of their offspring. They die, and their offspring grow on them. <laughs> Yes, I was I was thinking about that Am I too. Wrong? What's that? No, you're not. Uh, Sam says, like I can imagine one of my players uh, saying, "I want to spend a day mining ore for gemstones." The other saying, "Come on, guys, we need to deal with the dungeon." <laughs> so of course, I think the more players there are, the more 
difficult this might become. Right, or it can, I mean, or it can just be something you allow them to do in their downtime. That's normally what I would do with something like this. Yeah. Because there isn't specific rules. There's a lot of other things besides just, you know, uh, uh, mining iron and ore and stuff like that. Um, definitely, I think if I'm not mistaken, it ta- uh, in, 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 and correct me if I'm wrong, in the D&D world, there's something like iron wood or steel wood or... Yeah. Uh, where it's hard as iron or whatever. So there are different things you can do. And as the DM, you want to try to make sure you include those little, okay, if they want to craft with this, what can I do? It grows on trees. Uh, I've done in the past, and I'm not saying you have to do this or you, you want to do this, but um, I've applied benefits to crafting, uh, the similar as the plus one, plus two, and plus three magical items, right? Like if a player handcrafted a set of plate, I would make it a plus one set of plate because it took a goddamn year for the person to make it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because that is how it is raw in the player's handbook for some strange reason. Yeah, it takes a long time. Um, but anyway. Like I think another good time would be during long rests. Like like they're out camping, they're doing a long rest, and somebody says, "Oh, I want to do some mining for gemstones." And you cut their long rest to a short rest because they're doing their thing. Yeah, Sam says if they don't, uh, if the players don't know the mechanics exist, and then they won't get distracted by it. You think that as a, a distraction? To me, that's another level of the game because some people, that's what's fun to them. That's why people play games like Monster Hunter because they love collecting, crafting, and forming their own piece of equipment. Dude, where'd you get the armor? Build it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now I'm not saying you have to spend hours of playtime. If somebody wants to make a check to go fucking find something, give them a quick roll and be done with it and t- describe how their character's off doing it. You know, when you get the players that want to split up, that's a good time to do it. You're going to go to harvest some wood in the area. All right, give me a check. Move on to the next person. It takes about 30 seconds. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be as bogged down as some of the rules may make it sound. Anyways. And then, of course, the uh, the third thing that they mention there is uh, is, is is plants and herbs. Mm-hmm. Um, they give plants a rating, which I think is pretty cool. You have uh, common, uncommon, rare, and very rare plants, right? Um, these plants can be used to create like um, potions and different kind of uh, mixtures. And apparently, uh, when you gather the plants, you can gab like uh, resources, like uh, what is it called? It calls them essences. Essences. That is what it calls. It calls them essences. And so it gives you a nice little chart, you know, like and the essences. Are used for the brewing system in this document, which is uh, pretty nice touching. Yeah, um, he includes like a d20 rolling system. You roll a d20, and it determines how many you might find. But then there's a roll for it. So like six to eighteen says you roll one d4 plus one. That's the number of uh, essences you find and flowers you find, or how many plants. essences you find in the yeah. plants you have. Shepels. Um, essential oils (laughs) (laughs) Um, in addition just like the uh, previous items there actually is like a pricing guide here too common stuff being five gold and very rare up to 40 so there gives you a really nice little metric there for market value which i think is once again something that's not really um a part of it Uh, now this is cool and tell me what you guys think about this there is actually a large list of different types of plants but not only the plants, but the types of uh, essences they kind of would uh, would generate, which is how you mix different potions and stuff, right? So you have uh, what what I want on here is looks interesting. Uh, moon, moon. Now there there's no legend, so I can't tell. What oh yeah, there is. Mean. Hang on, is I'll, it at the uh, bottom. There's yes, a, there's, bottom. An, there's another legend right here. Oh, water, oh. air, fire, earth, positive and negative. Oh, 
crescent moon is negative. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so like this angel flower has got three different essences and it's a very rare, right? Yep. Versus this blue, uh, this, this dro- drojo's, drojo's ivy, which is a, a single essence. So using a D20 during the harvesting, um, gives you a chance to find these different things and, um, you can mix and match them using the, this very thorough, uh, al- alchemy system that he has Combination effects. Holy crap. So, uh, so, uh, do you, uh, Brandon, do you want to tell us a little bit about this? Well, is there any other comments on this? What do you guys think about the like the different? I like how it's split up into separate biomes. Doing terrain, yeah, yeah, caves, mountains, plains, desert, swamps, forests. What, what else was there? Yeah, there's a lot. There's uh, sw- uh you guys said swamps, Arctic lakes, rivers, and ocean. Yeah, so there's a collection of uh, these types of plants that they would find in that area, right? I put my castle on a swamp. So after going through, you know, three forests, they're going to start to learn that twilight wormwood is very common in forests, and the players themselves will learn that. So they'll learn that. Oh man, we need to. Uh, if we're, if we're passing, you know, around the city, let's go this way so I can go through this swamp and collect some, uh, you know, friend moss or some shit also, like that. It's like it's common in swamps. Like, uh, before we go to the next table, let's say we got, we got, uh, twi- <laughs> twilight wormwood and a blue herb. So that's a negative essence and a water essence. So what would that mixture create? Well, why don't we move on to the alchemy section and, and discuss that a little bit? So in the alchemy section, oh, you, uh, oh, there it is. you have a very <laughs> thorough, um, kind of, uh, base to go off so with the <laughs> with the <laughs> what does that say ian's outhouse is in the middle of the field of dinkleberries oh jesus <laughs> and it's made of granite <laughs> <laughs> so the um the alchemy breaks the essences down into what you was it six six different uh, essences from the different plants uh and we mentioned some plants giving multiple essences um the alchemy basics is you can create bombs and potions using up to the six different ingredients that you found so it mentions some different things that you need like um you first you have to combine different mixtures secondly you need a glass bottle for each you know potion or bomb if you allow those in your games i keep it somewhere yeah uh they also give you a, uh, a pricing of values of potions and bombs. It basically says they're like 10 gold pieces plus 15 gold pieces for each ingredient after the first, um, which is cool. So the more complex, the more value is added. It, uh, it gives you the specs on the bomb throwing, which I think is right out of the DMG, if I'm not mistaken. Bombs like away! 20, 60. That's, that was a really good gob- cobalt. I like that. It was a cobalt goblin. Uh, anyway, um, so it gives you like a target DC that basically says that you're, uh, which is uh, important for hitting stuff. But this is the big part you want to get to, right? The creating the mixture. Uh, so after kind of determining the number of ingredients that, uh, and the, the value of those mixtures, you can start the process of actually crafting, right? You've decided what you're going to make and what is the process that goes into it? Um, a character distributes the uh, essences and chooses the effects for the bomb or potion at the beginning of the creation process. So you, you mentioned a sample earlier on, uh, Brandon. Which, which one was it? It was the wormwood and blue herb. Wormwood was a negative essence and the blue herb was water. Which is this one right here? So is what is the right what does that effect combination create? So water plus negative essence deals one d four poison damage on contact, and the creature must make a con saving throw. On a failed save, the creature is poisoned for one minute. Sucker. So this is essentially something to pl- poison your blades with, right? Yeah. Or throw it. Or throw it. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that could work too. Um, so this is Minecraft. The, cre- <laughs> the creation of the process must be made in sessions of four uninterrupted hours. So now you've got a time limit restraint, right? So you can't just say, I make 20 of these, you know, um, which is pretty, uh, which is, I think is good for stopping them from building, you know, a thousand of these. <laughs> so if, 
it says uninterrupted. So if you're doing that and one of your partners comes and says, hey, want lunch? And you're like, yeah, I'll take this. And you look back and you fucked up already. <laughs> I, I wouldn't assume it's that. I would think it's more tied to like short rests or something like that or yeah, combat. We're getting into combat. Uh, guys, I drank the wrong potion. <laughs> what color was it? It was black. <laughs> Roll a new character. <laughs> <laughs> you melt from the inside yeah. and your, your insides turn to black shit as it spews out your <laughs> anus. Actually, I was thinking about the first Justin Files book where they were being attacked by a demon and the main character's like, quick, drink that potion! It's an escape potion! It'll, it'll teleport you out of here! It didn't work. Oh, crap, you drank a love potion. <laughs> <laughs> and it's dark in here. Um, so, the bombs and potions, which do have a value of 25... Uh, Potions and bombs that have a value of 25 gold or less can be crafted anywhere, while uh, an expensive mixture uh, will require a place of crafting due to the ingredients um, being so volatile. So that's that's pretty interesting. So weak things like, you know, cheap potions probably can be made on the fly, but the, the very complex, you know, exploding ones probably not so much. It also gives you a... Uh, <laughs> At the end of the, the last session, the character must make an intelligence check adding the proficiency bonus and th- using the proficiency bonus if they are proficient with the alchemy supplies. The DC is six plus twice the number of ingredients used. Wow. Neat. So the once again, the more complex you make it, the harder it is to succeed. So that's pretty cool. Um, and there, there's a plethora of different, and there's more rules that kind of go into this, but there's a plethora of different kind of combinations. Like water and water generates a 1d4 plus 1 heal, which is part like a half a potion, right? Like yeah. a half a healing potion. Does that sound right? Yep. Um, you get this, what is this, uh, water and fire? What does that create? Fog. Oh, that's cool. So that there's kind of makes sense, right? There's a 15 foot sphere blocking the vision for 1d4 turns. Okay, so a smoke bomb. That's pretty cool. What is uh? What is this moon and the I wind? wonder if you can mix and match this stuff. Well, you like can't. Ma- like making a smoke bomb mixed with the uh, poison that you made. Now you make a poisonous smoke. It seems like you Cloud. can m- mix quite a few, but the more you do, the harder the DC gets. Yeah. yeah. So you can make a potion that is a combination. How about this? A combination of a healing potion and a smoke bomb. So you just like smoke bomb and blind your whole team to give you guys like concealment. Soldiers. And everyone breathe in the air. Oh, I feel great. <laughs> like a like a like a stim pack or something, right? Give you kind of a temporary boost. Yeah. Um So there's a lot of really cool stuff in here. Like this one with the air in the negative energy. Is that what that was? Yeah. yeah um a sound wave that deals one D four thunder damage to all creatures within ten feet. That's pretty cool. So there's a lot of different things here, uh, to really that really makes this very interesting to either uh, to a DM and to a player. If you're a player, listen to this and you like something like this. I, I mentioned earlier, there's a link in our show notes. Click the link, check it out. Maybe even you can convince your DM to let it in there. Yeah, you know. Um, so there is a whole other part of this um, book. We're not going to get into the crafting, but there is very thorough crafting details for people that don't just like the downtime system. Which is pretty, uh, not very detailed, and some people don't like the times. That's right. Yeah, and that's and that might have what drove uh, Aaron Drake to actually create this, is there wasn't a, a nice flush and crafting some, process. And I've seen some things online, some people like, uh, who are artists, it's like, that's not an accurate crafting time at all. But there's also a magical world where a word can fucking level a city. Yeah, but you get the point. <laughs> well, that's kind of, isn't the point. I understand people like that bring the. I get annoyed at people that bring realism into it because in a world of magic and shit, realism's not really a thing. 
Like, fucking, I just stabbed you with a knife and you just drink some water and you feel good. <laughs> some, some Kool-Aid. Drink some Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah, we love cheese. Oh, yeah. You feel, yeah, you feel, you feel right as rain, right? Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so this this supplement this this wilderness survival guide has all kinds of uh, of great stuff the in addition to like the crafting rolls um they have uh you know material descriptions it kind of gives you different materials that you could find and most common one that everyone knows is adamantine right yeah everyone knows adamantine or mithril um bones chitin oh. not only value for those items but kind of some hints of what you can use them for. For instance, with the bone, it says, as an armor, it can replaces a metal. Uh, while wearing medium or heavy armor, non-hide, uh, made of the bones, you have advantage on intimidation checks. I assume that's because bones are like... Yep. My armor is metal. <laughs> My armor is your mother. <laughs> <laughs> they even have coral. You know, It talks about, you know, what can you do with coral? As armor, it replaces metal as well. While wearing medium or heavy armor, non-hide, made with the coral, your speed while swimming increases by 10. That's a nice, subtle feature. Yep. Remember I was saying, what, what would you do? What would cor- coral provide? That's a really interesting example. And there's a whole bunch of these. I mean, there's got to be like 20 or 30 here. Oh, yeah. Um, so definitely uh, check it out. It's very cool. I never would have created something like this because I just make it up as I go. Ori Calcum, that's pretty cool. It's actually making me think of uh, Diablo and how it works when you put specific gems in different things. Like, uh-huh. oh, uh, this topaz does this for weapons, but this for armor or this for a helm. Very it, much I like mean, that. There, there's no helm put on there, but like I'd imagine if you, you did coral, you can make it water breathing for up to a minute or something. Mm. Very cool. Right, that, that's pretty neat. Great. That's about the spheres from Final Fantasy VII. Materia. Materia? Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I like uh, Path of Exile so much. It's very much Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy VII meets Diablo II. Yeah. Um, so, and of course, they have additional rules from like material resistances and stuff like that. And so, definitely check it out. There's even an expanded equipment list that includes a buckler and a tower shield. And I know some people really like that sort of thing. Um, I don't necessarily agree with what he did. Uh, or what Aaron did, um, but that's in, like that's what they call optional rules. Uh, they're definitely optional, but there's definitely these are still pretty cool uh, additional little things you can do. Um, it even gives some kind of iron uh, firearm properties. So there's a real lot to this stuff. Definitely uh, pick it up and check it out. It expanded uh, adventuring list and even some magical items and stuff. So. They do add a few customization options as well as additional feats that kind of tie into crafting and stuff. Ooh. Um, so definitely check that out. Fans of the Witcher might like this, like this guide too. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, what is your guys' overall impression of this? This this is a, a free supplement, mind you. Yeah. I'm surprised it's free. Yeah. Because it, it looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, and it's a, I think it's a five-star review, too. I mean, there's like 50 reviews for this This bad is boy. well put together. He, he obviously put in good uh, work and did a good job balancing. And like we said, these are optimal rules, but if you want to add more depth to crafting, harvesting, and so on and so forth, this is a good thing to go off of. Yeah, and uh, if you're a DM and this isn't something that's important to your, your players, don't use it. There's no reason to add complexity if it's not something that's going to add value to your players. That being said, some players really thrive on this sort of thing. I know Ryan loved it when he was crafting his own shit. That was that was something he really enjoyed in the game. So if this is something you would like as a player or uh, ask your DM, if you're the DM and you got a player you think would like this, talk it over and consider introducing it. Yep. What does that say? It says it's very detailed. Well, it's pay what you want so it can be free. 
if you don't feel like supporting the creator. At least give him a dollar. <laughs> Way to make us feel like a dick. <laughs> no, uh, the way I take it is, Ow. Uh, in my opinion, pay what you want is I can try, and if I like it, I will go back and invest in it. Um, I <laughs> There's some stuff that I've gotten that I don't like and would never invest in because it was poor quality. So <laughs> I, I, would, I would pay for it. This looks like something that's worth, worth money. And we did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after I got it, I, I liked it, and it was very nice. So kind of like uh, the show. Oh Fuck no! Come on, <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> uh, it is a lot to read, and it is kind of complex. But once you actually read it, it's not really all that bad. No. Uh, yeah. All right. So um, aside for that, I think that'll do it for our main topic today. This is the Wild uh, Wilderness Survival Guide by Aaron Drake on DMs Guild. We have a link in the show notes. We'll also uh, you'll also find a link on our uh, blog. Oh, that's right. Th- they do have weather has in here, don't they? Uh huh. Nice touch. Yeah. Anyways, um, that's cool. So I think uh, so. Uh, before we move on to our fourth and final segment, is what? I had a quick question: Is there a physical copy available for this, or nope. is it only? I don't think video? so. No. Digital. Yeah, I, to my knowledge, it, I guess it could be, but I don't think it is. If you print it off, then it's physical. <laughs> Arts and crafts. <laughs> That's funny. If you print it off, oh my god. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe that a pay what you want stuff goes to print. So you can make it get a print. <laughs> and with a printer and a lot of ink. Um, so, uh, thank you so much for this amazing product, uh, Aaron Drake. Uh, we really enjoyed reading through it. Uh, you did an amazing work, and I just want to say kudos. Should we give him a round of applause? Is it? I don't know if it's a she or a he, but should we give him a round of applause? Yeah. Because I can't think of how many times there's been a D&D game where somebody's wanted to have some sort of a crafting system. Yeah. Because it's not touched on a lot in the player's handbook. Right. Or DMG. Yep, yep. Uh, all, all of our uh, all of our uh, patrons are also giving you a golf clap, golf clap, golf clap, golf clap, golf clap. Um, so, uh, before we move on to our fourth and final segment, our honor tips and tricks, we have one more gift to give away. Compliments of Loresmith. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness. Compliments of Loresmith. Lawsmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. Ian, who's our winner today? Our winner today is Joe902. Uh, congratulations, Joe902. If you enjoy the adventure, please let Laura Smith know, leave him a review, let him know what you like, what you didn't like, and help him improve his product Lord moving forward. forward. Stop fucking talking! Laura Smith. Why? Laura Smith? <laughs> moving on to our fourth and final segment, we have our let- our honor tips and tricks where we give you new and creative content for you to bring with you on your next adventure. Woo! Uh, I do do it to myself. I spent my whole childhood doing it to myself. <laughs> I'm married. I don't have to do it to myself anymore. <laughs> Ian, would you like to tell us our character concept today? Our character concept comes from Camden, which comes from a friend of his. 
Luke Oceanero. Oceanero. The, the concept is monkeying around. <laughs> My friend <laughs> played a one-shot where he was a highly intelligent monkey who was gifted with intelligence by a mad, mad wizard. The monkey hates the crippling weight of reality his intelligence lets him feel and longs for the blissful stupidity of being a normal monkey. He's on a mission to find a mad wizard and bring him to justice for his monkey suffering. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I'm 95% sure he got, got inspired by Future Rabbit on this uh, one. <laughs> oh, yeah? Because there's still an episode where, where they gave a monkey extremely intelligence and became de- depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I just shouldn't the world, and that sucks, and now I now hate myself. <laughs> what was that name? So, um, now Gunter. some people might Gunter, say, yeah. I looked I it up, I looked it up, I read it, I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> but this is, I, I but it's still a fun cast. Yeah, I love this. So <laughs> it was stupid. It became smart and it realized it was better off being ignorant. <laughs> I'm like, that's hilarious. <laughs> and now it's seeking out the uh, either it's, it could either seeking out the cr- bastard who created him, like the 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 return to, to slay his master, or maybe he's just seeking somebody to fix it. You know what I mean? Good um, news. Um. So for some of you that might be thinking, there's not a monkey race. There is now. There's nothing saying you couldn't use like a Goliath stat block or and just reflavor it, or or no, or no. Well, I guess monkey would be small, wouldn't it? I was thinking like a gorilla, <laughs> like or gorilla a, George or a halfling. Or anyways, um, but if that is too hard for you to um to wrap your hands around, ooh, goblin. There is. Oh, I like that. that work. I might work really well. Um, and speaking of goblin, if. And if among a reflavored creature uh, is too much for you, you can actually pick up Monstrous Races by Tyler Kamstra, who has basically taken every monster in the Monster Manual and converted it to a playable race. Neat. That sounds like a really long undertaking. <laughs> I'm sure it was, and it's only two bucks. Like, holy shit! That's like two. That's over. Got to be. That's 228 playable races, 116 sub races. Holy shit! We need to. We like need to go through this one time and, and, yeah. and uh, um, talk about it because it's <laughs> you, awesome. You gotta be really, really bored to do something like that, <laughs> or have a lot of time on your end. Maybe he's a security guard, or is obsessive. <laughs> <laughs> but in either case, it's done really, really well. It's got a four and a half star rating. It's pretty fantastic. Um, Can we play as a gelatinous cube? Um, I'm pretty sure there's a stat block for every monster. Every monster, and there's restrictions and uniquenesses that come with that. Um, I cannot speak to that if they're all balanced or not, but it's got a really high rating, so eh, whatever. If you ever wanted to be a vi- like play a monster game, that would be pretty cool. That actually would be cool. Uh, that would be cool. We should do that one day. Yeah, I might do that. That's awesome. Remind me about that. We should try. Anyways, um, so definitely, I think this is hilarious. I think it would be great if the person like dr- had like a big sword and like dragged it behind him when he's fighting, and he just like. You know, randomly swung it or held it backwards and was beating people with it. <laughs> but like, you know, really just monkeying around. Maybe he's like a tri- arcane trickster. Monkeying around. He's an arcane trickster, maybe right, where he just is causing mischievousness. Or if you really want to go with the high intelligence thing, maybe you make him a wizard. <laughs> you know, where he's trying to use magic to balance the world too. <laughs> Uh, in this example, he was a homebrew race and was a weird dex-based barbarian berserker, which could fit. I am furious, Judge! 
Very oh, dude, that's awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> to be fair, it's not. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> make the mad wizard in a yellow suit with a yellow hat. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, disclaimer, I may have chilled these still from feng shui. Um, Sam, I have actually discussed that same thing um, where I had the players. I wanted to have the players build a dungeon and then set all the traps and everything and tell them they're going to defend it, but then make them play characters to go against their own shit that they build. Like, but not tell them that until it was all done, right? Um, so I'm gonna maybe I'll do something with that, because I don't think there's a lot of that going around. I bet we could do something fun with that when I have time. I saw a really awesome game concept like that. It was for a video game, though. It's it's one of those build-your-own-Jurassic-Park things, like like the overhead view, like SimCity uh-huh. or whatever. But then when all the power goes out and all hell goes loose, it goes from that to turning into an FPS where you got to survive your own island. Oh, that is cool. You don't know what game that is? It's not a game. It's a concept. Oh, that's a cool-ass concept. Um, That'd be awesome. Um, anyway, so that'll do it for our character concept, just monkeying around. <laughs> Brandon, you want to tell us about our monster variant today? Our monster variant is the gang leader. The origin is the thug. And he's got some new features, and he's got the hammer blow. <laughs> if the gang leader's uh, mace attack is a critical hit, the target must make a DC-12 con save throw or be stunned until the end of the gang leader's next turn. Oh, the end of the gang leader's next turn. Yeah, so a whole round. Near a whole, so yeah, after they hit him, yeah. That's a punishment. <laughs> reactions. He's got some reactions. Uh, Perry. The gang leader adds two to its AC against one melee attack that would hit it. To do so, the leader must see the attacker and be wielding a melee weapon. Um, Hammer time. So this is a pretty <laughs> <laughs> this is a pretty simple uh, monster design. Um, I always come back to I like um, to make like everyone's been into like a battle with a group of thugs, right? Having just one be a little bit different can surprise the players because what if one crits? And, or if one hit uh, parries, they're not going to immediately know if the other can can do the same thing. Nope. Um, and it makes him just a diff- enough different that he can stand out and have a little bit of uh, kind of um, surprising, excuse the the pun, uh, have a, an interesting impact uh, when it does you know success does succeed. Now a crit is a very low chance thing to do, but when it does happen. Stunning a target can really be a very punishing uh, effect, right? <laughs> yeah, Sam, Sam says, I'm just imagining some level 1 or level 2 fighter tank who gets a crit against him and fails his save. Brutal. It is. and But once again, it's a very small percentage chance that that can happen. Yeah. Because not only does he have to crit, the enemy has the victim also has to fail the saving throw. And it's only a 10. So it's very minimal risk, but it would be interesting because it gives enough, uh, it makes that character stand out a little bit more and makes him a little bit better. And then the reaction can give him a little bit of survivability, which is sometimes missing from some of these sort of, uh, cre- these monsters. Um, you guys have anything to add to this? Nope. It's, no. it's cool. It's, it's true. It's very, uh, heavy as they would say. Um, so that'll do it for our monster variant, the gang leader. Our encounter of the podcast comes from patron Gabe K. Thank you, Gabe. Again. <laughs> yeah. Again. Well, I don't know if you remember, but like a year ago, he sent me this massive list of like 10 or 
he did of each one and i just haven't got to them all because i didn't want everything to be from him so i've been just peppering (laughs) them in when i when i run out of ideas thanks for being half the show (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so uh today's encounter is the wax congregation the players are traveling through an old temple or museum they find lifelike statues made of wax adorning the halls Eventually, they begin to hear the preachings of an aged priest echoing through the halls. And when the party finds its source, they see a preacher standing in front of a dozen wooden pews. But sitting in the pews are lifeless wax statues, just like the rest of the museum. However, if the party disrupts the service, then the preacher gets angry and commands his congregation to attack. It is then revealed that the wax statues aren't completely wax. They're corpses that have been covered in wax, sculpted to resemble people. And with the instructions of the priest, or should I say the necromancer, the wax statues come to life and attack. For added bonus, the wax zombies take extra damage from fire, but hitting them with fire uh, damage ignites the wax, which makes them move faster because less wax slowing them down. And now they deal fire damage whenever they attack. Hey. Hug, give them a good hug. <laughs> That's awesome. Jeez. Oh, my God. That's fun. So what do you guys think of this? I think it sounds like a fun idea. <laughs> I think that would be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> kind you, of fits the... Just- you're the just theme of Halloween, too. Yeah, but you were just walking and being like, uh, Sir, excuse me, we have a question. <sighs> Rise! And they'll just stand up and like, I just had a question! All of you, pass the collection plate, and then they all chase after the players trying to collect their gold. <laughs> <laughs> God, God, that's funny. Uh, or better yet, they all start chasing him and asking him to volunteer to do stuff. <laughs> in the sanctuary. <laughs> <laughs> we need a tech guy. <laughs> <laughs> we have a sound system. Oh my god! Right. I really think this is a really cool idea. Um, I think that uh, it's a good opportunity because maybe, maybe this wax mu- museum thing is something that the area is known for and is like an attraction. And turns out this this priest is doing some sketchy shit on the side, and the players find out. But since it, they've it's been a wax museum forever, they're not gonna think that the damn shit's gonna come to life and attack them. I love the little bit with the the melting wax and the fight flammable, uh, can- turning them into candles, pretty much like walking undead candles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think this that is a great encounter. <laughs> is there anything you would do to enhance this? Hmm, it's pretty solid as is. That's a, that's a real cop-out answer. <laughs> it's great the way it is. Let's fucking move on. <laughs> Make it more difficult. Thanks for clearing and, that and up. In the concept of, like, um, there's not a lot of lighting, so there's candles everywhere. Therefore, making a chance of them bursting the flame. Oh, <laughs> like, if you, like, knock them into a candle, they light up. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Um, Samuel men- uh, mentions uh, ice spells and stuff to slow them down. Yeah, that could be pretty cool. Um, can be really uh, a chilling experience, to be honest. <laughs> uh, ice to meet you. Uh, anyways, so I really enjoy this encounter, Gabe. Thank you so much for your submission, the Wax Congregation. Ooh, they all merge together to form a giant wax blob. Oh, dude, that's hilarious. Ian, what is our magic item? Our magic item comes from it. Com- comes from it, yeah. 
The Elven Watchtower. Wondrous item that's uncommon. As an action, you can open the bag next to a tree to create a portable platform in one of the, the trees. Give it a, giving it a stable surface. The platform is created up to 20 feet high, and the bag also creates a rope ladder to climb up and down. Ah, so it's a portable deer blind. Awesome. That, that, yeah, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> the surface has space for one medium-sized creature, and when the creature uses its action to close the bag, the ladder and the platform disappears until the bag's open again. So I think this is hilarious because uh, it doesn't appear to have a duration. It's just till you open and close the bag, it seems. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's supposed for a long rest. And, and I think it's really good for, like, a watchtower because, you know, people like Brandon, who we talked about earlier, who got, like, he was wrapped all in his nice bedroll like a damn, you know, giant sticky tongue burrito, um, probably would be less likely to be attacked if he was hiding out in a, a, a goddamn... Uh, a damn uh, blind, to- blind and the <laughs> hanging in a tree, you know, this watchtower thing. I think it's also great for spying, too, right? Like, if you need to do long-time, you know, stealth reconnaissance, you just pack it up and take it with you like a tent, like a pop tent. Yep. Yeah, I'm you how I played... I was playing, like, an elf archer one game, and, and I, he was camped out in trees. Why was up there? Well, we get take by Wolves Mill tonight. <laughs> I'm up here. <laughs> <laughs> and you're down there. <laughs> I think this is also cool because I think this could be good uh, portable ambushing, right? Yep. Like, um, in, 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 in defense. I mean, if somebody can hide in a tower and is in the, in the trees, they can pretty much have three quarters cover while they're shooting you. Or they can pop out, shoot you, and then hide behind and have full cover all the time. But surprise, you have to worry about what's in the trees. Oh, jeez. Um, I think this is a really cool thing, uh, a really cool little toy here. Um, it's not something that has uh, is is like combat oriented, but there can be a lot of utility in combat, in combat and out of combat, um, especially if you're in an area where there's not a lot of good shelter, too. It does say it requires a tree, but it doesn't say what size the tree has to be, so I assume as long as it's sturdy enough to hold its weight, should be it should be acceptable, which shouldn't be too hard to find yes that so. makes a good point too uh one of the woods players usually just say eh, we set up camp never do they try to uh get off the ground or make any effort to defend themselves i do i was gonna say do you ever attack them while they're on the ground <laughs> so i wonder how many times people just go okay i'm gonna set up a fire and we're gonna chill and it turns out there's an anaconda like 60 feet away yeah that's literally what happened to you guys <laughs> remember when uh, we first started i have them give a survival roll and that survival role determined if you camped in a good spot or not. You know? So, there you go. Rest of us in Boy Scouts, when we were camping out. and went Camp out like, in trees? No. We just, like, uh, camped <laughs> up a hill to the swamp, and there was, like, a highway off in the distance. But then we heard this low, constant noise. So we're like, what the heck is that? Well, it sounds like a car on the highway. Yeah, but if it was a car, that would be fitting in and out constantly. And then we were, like, deliberating what it was for, like, ten minutes. But we were like, you know... We are next to a swamp. That could be a cloud of mos- a huge swarm of mosquitoes. Oh no! Long pause. Uh, I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, Sam. About right. Maybe you should consider tossing stuff at him that's too big for him, like fucking sticky tongue, or too small. It's like, sticky like, tongue. Like a mosquito swarm. Yeah. Like I, I totally expected sticky tongue to get away with uh, Brandon's character and its maw. And because he basically ate him and swallowed him and ran. <laughs> that would have been the second wizard that got eaten I've made. You did really. I was really impressed by your use of your wizard, by the way. I didn't say that to you. Kudos to you. 
Huh. You did some pretty cool stuff. <laughs> um, so, really cool uh, tool. I think it's awesome. I think that you can get a lot of use out of it. Definitely uh, check it out. That is from the Wilderness Survival Guide. And I just realized it says guild there. Must be an auto-type correct from my phone. Guild. Um, our Dungeon Master tip also comes from Gabe. Uh, Gabe. Uh, Brandon, do you want to you tell us about our Dungeon Master tip today? Yes. Uh, the Dungeon Master tip today is uh, play out the afterlife. When a player character dies, most people either shrug and start making a new character, or that player sits out until the party can resurrect them, at which point they pop right back into the game. Sometimes to deal with the consequences of having been dead. Maybe not. Like punishments and stuff, I assume? Yeah. Resurrection sickness, bitch. <laughs> I'm alive! <laughs> <laughs> But why not play out what the character experienced after death? Not only could this lead to some serious weight to being resurrected, if the character experienced a demon-filled hellscape before they were raised, <laughs> they may be able to change their ways, or perhaps they were in absolute paradise and they don't want to come back. But it could also be a great send-off for a character who isn't going to be raised. Oh, dude. Which we, we've seen some really cool people. Yeah. There were cool deaths of just selflessness that was really neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine if a character died heroically in battle. Oh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> and rather than just have the player roll up a new character, he got to roleplay the character being escorted into Valhalla to sit and drink with his deity, who commended him for his valiant work while he was alive. Oh, it'll, it'll make character death feel more like a fitting part of the story rather than just a nuisance that everyone wants to move past. Gabe, dude, I agree 100%, boss. I, I think that this is a fantastic tip. I think that you really nailed it. Um, not only with death, but being unconscious um, often can pull players out of a game so they're not included as much. Yeah. Um, we've talked about the unconscious having a brief description or flashbacks to events to build backstory. This even is better than that because if the character doesn't come back to life, you use their downtime to build their story of their death. And that is amazing because you don't have to worry about it after the fact. And you mentioned, you know, if they're joining Valhalla and their DD, the player just might be, nope, that's fucking good. I'm going. New character. And just move on to the next one because how awesome is that? Actually, this made me think of, I know I referenced this quite a bit, but Order of the Stick, where one character did die in the middle of the story, but they actually did take the time to show what he was going through in the, in the afterlife. And there's a few t- points where he met his ancestors, including his grandfather, who was also a skilled warrior. Mm-hmm. And while he's in the afterlife, he actually learned new swordsmanship skills and techniques from his grandfather. So when he was re- resurrected. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah, That's cool. They, yeah, this was happening last night with my character because my character did hit zero HP. Yep. So I had to start doing my, my death saves, and my first one, I failed. And Justin looks to me and says, okay, so what are you dreaming about? What do you see? What's going on in your head? It's like, huh. Well, that comes into play with my character's backstory, or the wizard's backstory, was that he has been raised, but he can't remember his past. In his past, he was in a small town trying to resurrect us, or uh, bring up this, uh, uh, this big bad spirit, I forget what they're called. And in doing so, these heroes come just as he raises them, and he wants world domination, and he's all evil and stuff, he says, go get him, and the spirit kills him instead. World domination. And you got to see a little bit of that kind of unfolding at the table. Now, it didn't take much time, did it? We only spent l- less than probably a minute on it, right? Yeah. But it was a nice, a it gave flavor and it made the de- the unconscious less boring than if I just said, oh, death save and moved on, right? Yeah. 
Because I did, I when I shared this as a tip to some people on Facebook, the world, the world of the internet trolls. Um, one guy said, "Oh, I ain't got time for that." I was like, "Dude, it takes a minute. You should be making time for every player, every player, every instance." Because no, there's literally nothing worse than having no control over your character. Yeah. And making a roll and being done. That is boring, especially if you have to wait 15, 10, 15 minutes for your turn. So if you're that DM, you're a douche. <laughs> I really feel that. You should be caring about all your players' turns, whether they're conscious or not. And if it takes a minute out of your day to make them feel important, that's your responsibility. And if you don't, you don't feel that as a DM, you need to get the fuck out. Go play fucking Warhammer. <laughs> anyway, by the way, I like Warhammer. I'm just saying that's less less about the narrative and more about the and kill each other, the other stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I like that part. I know you do. <laughs> that's Ian's favorite part. Uh, Sam does make a good point. He says it could also give the characters the sense of mortality, where the player may play their character less rashly in the future. I think it's really good. Somebody you mentioned like the the demons and stuff, right? That would be a good thing. Like shit, I done fucked up. <laughs> Or make or poking for every single kung fu movie ever. Then any death experiences you keep living the death of your master. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. I like that. Um, so I think that'll do it for our dungeon master tip. Thank you very much, Gabe, for your awesome tip. Uh, play out the afterlife. Our player tip of the podcast is: Don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by listening to John Gemstone. Rosads. Don't waste your time. Make spell scrolls or share spells or rituals with each other. Spells and scrolls can save a person's life in combat if you make them in advance. Or, if you need to be ready for combat, have a few passwall spell scrolls made and hand them around. Uh, so yeah, I think this is awesome. Um, I had actually, honestly, I've never really given a lot of thought to this. But the more I thought about it after he brought it up, I, I really thought it was really great because there's a lot of things a wizard does especially at early levels that consume your spell slots such as heal wizards don't use heal but clerics do <laughs> shields clerics have to be trained in arcana to do it but anyways yeah and um uh mage armor is a big one right when you only have two or three spell slots wasting mage armor sucks mm -hmm. but if you've got extra slots and you've got some gold to spend if yes if right um and a lot of players say you know there's i don't go to law what do i do with all this gold well here's the thing if i'm a if i'm a wizard and i hate wasting my spell slots on spell scroll or uh, mage armor make mage armor spell scrolls so that when you get into a scenario where you can't afford to waste your spell slots but you need another mage armor you just pop that bad boy out of your pocket fucking put your hand on the sigil on the paper big light engulfs you and bam there it is i never thought of that i didn't know i could do that <laughs> Um, and the same goes for spells like uh, like support spells, you know, false life that gives temporary HP. It's basically giving you like a, a shield. If you can make enough of those and just pass them out to your party when you're ready to go into the big bad's lair, everyone can instantly have a, a small boost without c draining the resources of the wizard. Yeah. And I had never really considered this sort of thing. So I think that this is um, an, an amazing... An amazing idea. Now, keep in mind, if you create a scroll that requires concentration, the person that cast it must still maintain concentration. Yeah. Um, so keep that in mind. 
Um, but I think this is an amazing tip. Um, you can do a lot with this when you start to look at all the different uh, spells. You know, aid. Aid is a is a healing ability. I think right. It gives temporary hit points. I think. I know aids takes away hit points. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and they just went there. <laughs> yeah. So aid aid actually gives the what did I say for its temporary hit points? False life. Yeah. False life. Aid and false life does it. Aid aid uh, aid is a. Uh, Cleric and Paladin ability, False Life, I think, is like necromatic type mm. stuff. Any spell is cast at its lowest level, I think. Yeah. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, so stuff can't, you can't just like buff a, a spell for, uh, to my understanding, unless I'm mistaken. Um, there are very specific rules uh, added to Xanathar's Guide, I think on like page 133, that has a lot of details in regards to um, spells and, and making scrolls and stuff. So yeah. um, definitely this is a great tip. Thank you, John. I like that he pointed out Pass Wall spell because it basically allows you to just create a, a, a passage. So if you make these over a course of a week to plan ahead of time to raid a keep, you each can just constantly put these up and just make literally a path straight to the center of this damn building. How do I bypass this wall? <sighs> Shape Earth. Yeah, <laughs> Sam has not heard about overpowered spell scrolls. Uh, either have I, but I don't know how many people use them very often. Um, it does cost money. Don't get me wrong. It costs money to do this. Yep. So it's harder to do early on. But when you start to get into level six, seven, eight, where you've got a lot of gold, it's much less of a problem. Especially if you're a wizard, that whatever your arcane tradition is, that you can half the cost of that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I love this tip. Jum, Jumstone, thank you so much for this glorious. <laughs> Keep scrolling. We love this player tip. It's very great. Um, definitely. If you are a player who uses scrolls to great... Uh, to, to great benefit um please let us know in what creative ways you've used scrolls um and how you've gotten the most out of them so uh, i think that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast um don't be a dick and you can avoid dickitude by keep scrolling <laughs> prep time <laughs> that's so bad what like prep time like batman yeah just <laughs> like batman yeah <laughs> You're welcome, Sam. How much does it cost to do these scrolls? Does it, it vary based on the spell? It yeah. depends on the spells and the components, because you have to provide all the components and everything when you do it um, at the time. Not the when you level. actually open yeah. the, the scroll, but when you actually do it. So it, there's a specific static cost to it, and then I think it's related to the power of the spell and the components. Yeah. But when you've got all the time in the world to prep for something, and this is where it becomes a big deal. If players put in the time to prep and say, you know what, we're going to spend you know two weeks making fucking scrolls of wall passing, <laughs> and they're just going to walk right into the big bad's den, well, they're going to have to get like floor plan or something to know where to go. But I would totally be down with that. I think that would be a <laughs> clever way to do it. And then as a DM, you could always screw them over by, by saying... Oh, nothing you're doing is having an effect on the big bad because there's an item within the dungeon to help you beat him. <laughs> well, no, you just had to cheat the system. Okay. But I like that sort of stuff. <laughs> Real life hacking. Anywho. Before we close out, we have one more gift to give away. Compliments of Jeff Stevens. It's been a long few days of travel, and the adventurers are tired of eating rations and sleeping on the ground. The road opens to a small town with an inviting tavern. The smells of grilling meat and ale fill their nostrils, and the sound of laughter and music float out the tavern's door. Unlucky for the adventurers, they've stumbled upon Dragon's Breath Tavern. 
What starts out as a pleasant evening of food, drink, and entertainment soon evolves into an adventure that takes the party into and under Dragon's Breath Tavern. The adventure includes roleplay, exploration, combat, and a dice game called Demon Dice. Brandon, who's our winner today? Our winner is WGE89. Uh, congratulations, WGE89. If you enjoy this adventure, please let Jeff Stevens know. Write him a review. I hope that's a radio station. I have no idea. <laughs> please join us on our next episode where we uh, hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will be interviewing BC Beats on his new Solo Adventures Toolbox, a complete system for creating an on-the-fly, detailed, and immersive solo adventure. Yo, yo, solo. It's very cool. If you recall, we did have BC Beats on when he talked about his solo adventures. This is like a culmination of like a year's worth of work on this bad boy. So I'm excited to have him on next week. If you have any feedback, unearthed tips and tricks, or topics you'd like us to discuss, please send them to us. You can email them to us at craigacademy at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Academy. We hope you've enjoyed your experience here at the Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes or a platform of your choice. Or just send us a message telling us how much you enjoy the show. And also, be sure to give us a like and a share. Make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com so we can help you on your future adventures, as well as be entered to win cool prizes each and every week. You will also find links to our fellowship members there as well. If you have not checked them out already, swing on over to uh, our to CritAcademy.com, check out our Crit Nation page, and you can go visit uh, Gabe and Jeff over at Interparty Conflict. Their show is awesome. They answer your questions and help bring you the best tabletop experience possible. Or you can head on over, or you can click the link over to D&D Character Lab. Those guys create amazing and very thorough and fleshed out characters each and every week and argue their validity in a predetermined, against a predetermined criteria that they've made. Um, this shit's amazing. Guys are on both podcasts are amazing. Swing on over, check them out, give them a listen. Yeah. Uh, we also have a Facebook group um, called the Crit Nation Community. Um, join it, follow it. I'm posting shit in there all the time. Most of it's D&D and gaming related. Most of it's meant to be entertaining and fun and lighthearted um, because I kind of stopped using our main page for like memes and shit. <laughs> Trying to be <laughs> professional here. <laughs> so definitely join that. Um, become a patron and join our Discord channel and, and watch us live. Um, also, one more reminder, uh, just like earlier, uh, for our episode 100, we will be live on the 18th of November at 7 p.m. Eastern. So come and join us uh, live. Watch for a link. We'll be posting it on all of our social media. So follow us to, to make sure you're up on the know. Neat. So I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Brandon. I'm your co-host, Ian. Thanks for listening. Keep your blade sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Heroes.